and that's something that we we still find that people don't know about um, so we still have clients that maybe they don't have a development team and they just use the template that they've always had and the first time they realize something's wrong with dark mode is someone gets a new phone and opens their email and goes oh my god what is this today on inboxing jay orham senior coder and interactive email specialist at action rocket Welcome to Inboxing. This is a third episode of Inboxing. And this is the Inboxing Podcast. I'm Hill Berg, your host. Every week we discuss, we, we host a new guest from the email marketing world. And today's guest is going to be a very special guest. It comes from the other side of email, meaning the coding side. Uh, the, what we call the dev side or development. Email development is its own thing. And it's got a whole, it's actually a wonderful community. And I actually am part of it. Yeah, it's a little bit about Jay. I mean, he'll give his own introduction, I think, but there's a little bit about him. Jay was a digital marketer, did a lot of digital marketing for some other brands. And then at some point he decided he wanted to go like a little bit behind the scenes. And he joined up with Action Rocket, which is a wonderful email marketing. It's really an email comment. He'll, maybe he'll give a little introduction uh, to Action Rocket also, but uh, Elliot Ross's uh, agency that does email coding. So I guess they call it an email agency uh, based in London. Um, he's a beautiful Queen's English, makes, which is easy on American ears. And it's uh, without further ado, I'm happy to bring in Jay Oram. Jay, hey. welcome to the uh, to Inboxing Podcast. Thanks for having me. For sure, for sure. So do you want to give yourself a little introduction? <laughs> like I gave yeah, you a little yeah. bit. I mean, you did a little bit, but yeah. I work for Action Rocket. So Action Rocket is a design and mainly design but and code agency specifically for CRM and email. And so majority of the team are designers, but then we have a couple of coders who specialize in email and the whole team is kind of built around the specializing in email uh, with some strategy people and some consultants and things like that. So that's what Action Rock is. And I'm a senior coder and interactive email specialist there. So I, yeah, so I basically code emails all day and specialize in the ones that are a little bit more difficult. So that's what I do. That's awesome. All right. Uh, what do you find upsetting in your inbox like as a coder what do you, you know when you look at your emails what kind of annoys you the most annoying is when you see an email that could be live text and um, but it at, turns out to be an all image email um from a marketer's point of view an all image email might look better because the brand can be perfectly on brand with the brand fonts uh, you can mix the kind of layout around and it's not too much of a problem um, and you can have much more control over everything but from uh, an accessibility and deliverability and coding point of view an all image email could put you more into the spam box people might not see it as much you can end up with the deliverability issues of if that happens too often your emails will stop being delivered or they'll be delivered slow and things like that um, and yeah and accessibility wise if an email is all image then you obviously get, um, they can't see everything that's in there um, and you can't possibly describe it all. So yeah, that, that's the most upsetting thing. An all image email that could easily have been just a few more lines of code to have live text would be, yeah, that's that's what I'd prefer. Right. Do you feel like there's a big advantage to having custom coded emails like over, you know, now there's like a wealth of drag and drop, you know, like almost like code your own email. Like what would you say the advantages of custom coding is? A custom coded email shouldn't be the email that happens every single day. If you use a WYSIWYG editor or a drag and drop editor or your ESP editor, then they're the kind of perfect for the everyday emails that are going out or things that you send regularly and um, something that you can have a template made and then put into your WYSIWYG editor. So uh, something like taxi free email where you can put up your own code but then use the WYSIWYG editor to kind of edit it. Or there's others like Stripo or BeFree or there's so many out there now that you can kind of put your own template in. But then if you're a marketer, then you can still use it by just drag and drop. And then those custom coded emails, the special ones should be maybe something that happens a lot. So like a birthday email, for example, if you're a brand and you want to send an email to someone on their birthday, and um, maybe you should add an interactive element or something a bit out of the bot, out of the normal, out of the inbox kind of craziness. Um, 
that you spend some more time on that but then you can kind of set it and use it over and over again um, or if you've got a big launch so yeah brand new product or a new service that you're launching maybe at that point you would get a custom coded one so you can either i mean custom coded is like you can either custom code a whole design system so get the template in get all of your colors all of everything um exactly as you want and then kind of move that into your esp or system so that you can edit it freely um, or custom coded could be those like one-offs like i mentioned um, and i think they're the benefits definitely right right no for sure and i think there's a lot again it's interesting because i come also from that world from the dev world and i always think like you know why not every email should be you know like custom coded but the more i'm seeing like you know building emails for other people and using WYSIWYG editors like i see you can do a lot something just happened yesterday i'm using someone to help me just you know convert from the MailChimp editor to make it look more personalized customly. What's interesting is I'm noticing even things that if from the dev world, like I would always like never use like uh, bulleted lists without using the, you know, bulletproof bulleted list, you know, that's been like tested and all the platforms. And it's like a, you know, a huge article in, uh, in Litmus. And she just was doing regular UL, you know, regular without any custom code, just regular unordered lists in list elements. And I checked it on like all the major platforms and it just worked. Like it didn't like it. See, maybe the email world caught up a little bit. Like there's not yeah, as many be. ones out there or. Yeah. I mean, there's odd kind of, it's the, always the edge cases. I think that's the thing that it depends what you're coding for. And like, I think when we've chatted before about this, where if your audience is completely Apple, for example, then why would you bother worrying about the Outlook 2007 on Windows? If if your audience are not there, then you're not going to bother. And the, the custom coding lets you kind of choose the level of support that you want to do. And progressively enhancing emails is kind of the whole idea of what the developers are doing. So we can definitely get a, uh, a plain bulleted list with no colors, no links, that can all work everywhere. But as soon as you want to add uh, a custom bullet image, or if you want to add different indents, uh, different padding, different margin, all around it with other bits and pieces mixed in, maybe inline images or something like that, that's when all of a sudden it doesn't look right in Outlook. And then you need someone to come in and do the specific email hack or whatever it is that gets it right kind of thing. Right. But the plain old old HTML works. Yeah, and I think that really comes in more when you're getting a custom design. And the design isn't exactly the way it comes out in code. Yeah, what the email I was specifically talking about is really just like a text email. So yeah, it doesn't really matter. You know, when you're using bulleted lists, it's really a hack. It's not looking like a list. It looks like something else entirely. Then you definitely need custom coding. Mm-hmm. All right. What was your biggest email mistake you know, as a custom coder? So it happened just before I started as like a full-time custom coder at Action Rocket. I was kind of dabbling in the coding part and a friend was launching a new online magazine and he was using an online publishing editor thing that I'd never seen before. And we put in the everything that was correct and then clicked the button that said preview. And we thought that preview meant it would send us a preview or it would bring a preview up on the screen. But in that particular program, Preview actually sends the email to everyone. Um, so oh my we, God. we, yeah. So we obviously that's, as that's UX. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So all of a sudden, we were really confused as to what had happened. And luckily, there was nothing bad in it, and it didn't take us long to realize what had happened. And then we kind of quickly put together the correct email and sent it out with a oops kind of thing. <laughs> but yeah, the brand new online magazine launch with thousands of people who. Yeah, got a, the first email they got was a load of just lorem ipsum kind of mixed in with random <laughs> images. So it wasn't perfect. But yeah, that was kind of the, the biggest kind of thing that went on. Um, right. But that, that one, you know, give yourself a pat on the back because that doesn't sound like your fault at all. You know, if someone no. made a preview button that sends the email to exactly, everyone, yeah, yeah. it's just ridiculous. Yeah. But I, before I press anything now, I double check what it does first. <laughs> check the documentation. Yeah. Definitely always good at yeah. What was your biggest win? You know, like an email you're super proud of. There's two, really. There's the win of coming, getting an automation journey from someone that's been handed from dev to dev to dev to dev. And there's loads of fixes and loads of bloated code in there where someone's gone in and said, oh, I want something to be red. So they've just added a big make it red important thing in there and stripping it down to a brand new kind of way of single column coding, not very much code in there, stripping something that was like, 
over 100 kilobytes and making Gmail cut it off down to kind of 10, 20 kilobytes, and then using that same design and template throughout a whole journey, and the whole thing looked great from start to finish, and integrating with the ESP and with the personalization and the data that they'd set up, that was a massive win. The first time that ever happened, where everything from the welcome all the way to like the six-month thank you kind of email, everything was put together. That was a really big thing for me anyway. And But getting the strategy and the design and the, the client and everyone all joined up and everything um, was like a really good feeling. And then obviously like a big massive interactive email that I've done either with Pizza Express or one that just came to mind was we worked with Babylon Health um, who did who launched an app and in New Year they launched uh, like a health checker and we did an interactive AMP email for them and a CSS interactive email and when we put that out there it was one of the first kind of AMP emails that went from Braze was ESP and they got I think it was a, a 50 or 60 percent like uplift in click-throughs and then also a 20% or something like that, 20% increase in app use um, just from that email. Uh, so having an interactive email that we really worked on hard and use new technology and then also seeing the results from the other end is really good. Um, something that agencies often, well, particularly in our kind of development, I imagine you've probably seen it the same, you don't often get the end results analysis. You kind of get the... We want the design to look perfect. You get the amends, you get the rendering issues, but you never hear about the it, the click through gets better or the results of what you spent months and months working on. Yeah, we, we often don't get that. So when we do get that, it's really nice to hear. So yeah, that's definitely a big thing for us. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to hear a little bit more about, I mean, I don't know, I assume most of our audience doesn't know too much about AMP for email. AMP for um, email. So what exactly is it and like how can people use it? So AMP for email is just an extra bit of code that Google, an open source that started at Google, it's now open source, is, and AMP stands for Accelerated Mobile Pages. If you go to Google and you search, normally those little news icons that come up with the like little stories, they're normally AMP pages, and they've just been made specifically faster with lighter code and work great on mobile. So they realize that that also converts well to email. So the same functionalities that are available, majority of the functionalities that are available for those AMP pages, they've made available for email developers. And that you have to have uh, it's a separately coded email. So it's as well as your HTML and your plain text email, you'll have an AMP email. So it's something extra to do. Um, but it allows you to make things a little bit more interactive inboxes that previously weren't. So because Google was the first people to kind of start it, Gmail and Gmail apps support AMP emails. Um, Mail.ru is another one. Uh, Yahoo and AOL are going to support it. So more inboxes are supporting AMP. And ESPs are starting to support it as well. With Braze was one of the first ones. Um, SparkPost was another one. Um, Map have said they're going to support it. So more ESPs are coming online. So basically, it's those, those interactive emails that you see only working on Apple, where you get like a tap to reveal or a carousel. And those kind of things can now be brought into Google and used in Gmail. Um, but they also add in a little bit extra where you can actually pull in live content. So if you had a, a like an online store with loads of products, if something sold out, you previously, obviously, with a HTML email, if it sold out, it would just be in the email and it would be wrong. Um, if you had it live connected, then it could just update to the next product. So it's another wow. dimension of something to be added. But it's kind of, it's just about kind of, it's been around for a couple of years, but right. ESPs have just started to kind of give it support and big ESPs like Braze and uh, Salesforce, they're starting to roll out support in the new year. So hopefully more people will be trying it at least, and then we'll see it appearing more and more in inboxes as well. So uh, yeah, another aspect of interactive email that can people can get interested in. Yeah, I mean, I think, does, do you still need, I mean, just from my own experience, like you had to register to use it or something. There was some kind of registration you had to there do. Was, at the beginning, there was a, you had to get whitelisted with each inbox. So you had to be whitelisted for Gmail. Then you had to be whitelisted for mail.ru and et cetera. But they've made that much easier now. So you just have to get whitelisted once and then it works anywhere AMP does. Um, and the whitelisting is a lot easier where before there was lots of 
things that you had to meet. Now it's things that every email probably already has. Like if you've already got DMARC, SPF already set up, if the domains that you're pointing to are your domains rather than someone else's. And I think it was something, I think the spam score had to be a certain level before and they've, it's not as strict as it was. So a lot more emails should be able to be whitelisted. So yeah, yeah, I mean, I see that my own, you know, from my clients, like my clients, I mean, just another example of something that we can use as mark as developers, you know, is the uh, promotions tab code. Mm-hmm. And people are familiar with this, but there's actually code you can find on the internet. There's a few different platforms that like, you know, just make it easy for you. But yeah, look this up, Google promotions tab, you know. Yeah, Fresh and, Inbox, we've got a tool where you can literally- Fresh just- Inbox had a great tool. I used that as I was forgetting the name of it, but yeah, Fresh Inbox has a tool. So just do promotions tab, Fresh Inbox, and you'll find this tool. And what you can actually do, if you have access to custom coding, you can, I can explain this well, but basically your subject lines, your email will sort of like float to the top. And, you know, after some time, you know, either because you're, it's a client of yours or, or it's an interest of yours. Uh, but you might've seen this already in your Gmail where like, let's say travel or food or recipes, it'll come up and categorize them in one, in like a blurb of three or four emails that came into your inbox that day. So if you have this code in your inbox, you can have a banner, like a full banner in your Gmail, you know, that's promoting whatever you're promoting. And it's like a tremendous resource. I do it for my clients, but it's amazing because I'm like seeing it with my clients and like, it's like all recipes and like it's, you know, it's booking.com and my client, <laughs> you know, like of all the travel emails that I'm getting. So uh, it's definitely, it seems like it's something that's underutilized out there, but I guess, Something to think about is that for the most part, you know, many companies are just using the WYSIWYG and there's often no way to, to insert that kind of thing into the WYSIWYG. Um, I was even surprised certain ESPs are stripping, you know, uh, that code out of the, and, you know, they're nervous about it. Yeah, actually, I remember when I first started using it, I couldn't use, they have two formats, JSON, I think it's JSON. Yeah, JSON and Microsoft. Microsoft. Yeah. Nice. JSON was getting stripped, which sort of makes sense because it's sort of like JavaScript. But the uh, the other one's microdata, and it's really just divs and lookups, and it doesn't seem like anything harmless. Like it seems totally harmless. Like I don't know what the fear is or why ESPs would be stripping. And I'm pretty sure Mailchimp strips it. I'm pretty sure they strip it out. So, Used to, uh, yeah. I, I know they definitely stripped the JSON version. I don't know if you could get the microdata one to work. I can't remember. I, but try, I, I tried. Yeah. It, I don't know, like six months ago for a client, and it yeah. definitely stripped. Yeah, I, but I feel like they should. They should like Mailchimp should be building that into their editor, right? Like, there's no re- like. Yeah, it's easy for people. Like, why yeah. not? It's just a matter of putting in a logo URL and a banner URL, and that's it. Yeah. Oh, and some text maybe you know do yeah. your subject line. Do you like hi? Yeah, because they highlight the subject line. Yeah, but the uh, the subject line and the from name is all pulled from the email already, so it is literally right. the, the image and if you've got a deal or something, so it shouldn't be much. Make it easy for people. Take advantage of these amazing tools. Yeah. In the email weekly that we um, send, we actually, because we just experiment with that anyway, that was one of the first places we just stuck the code to see what would happen. Um, what I know, because obviously I read it every time because I send it, um, there was a couple of times I didn't read it. And then a week later, it pops up at the top, like as a promotion, like you said, um, with the banner and stuff in my inbox. So obviously, like, to know that my that an email that I always read, and if I miss one, it's going to highlight it at the top for me. Like, why would no? Why would you not want that on your email? That seems like a exactly. The, the thing. Yeah. It's, it's a great feature, and it just lets you pop up to the top of you know bubble up. Like everyone's trying to stand out in the inbox, and there's no better way to stand out than using that that promotions tab feature. There's actually a cool tool as well from um, I think it's called it's from Peak Inbox, and if you use them, you can track how many times your banner actually oh, comes inspired. up. Yeah, and you can track clicks on it as well because, um, yeah, they, they've figured out a way that you can do that. So, that yeah, that's, a, that's another, like, and I think you can use their tool to create the code as well. So you can kind of get everything from them and the image on there. And then, yeah, you can see how many times it's actually used. So you can get that all that analytics and data that you want as the marketer to prove that something's working and it's worth the effort. And, um, yeah, Peak Inbox have got that sorted. So... Yeah, another tool that you can just go and have a look at. Yeah, that's awesome. 
Yeah, would you have like a top five tips or email tips in general? I guess from marketing. Yeah, I have a few. Yeah, so the one of the big ones is think of the recipient. So who you're sending to should be the top of your mind whenever you're creating an email, and especially like what do they want? What are they going to get out of your email? Um, If you're just sending like the latest thing and it's not going to interest them, they're not going to open it. So obviously it's another thing is the content is important so yeah the first thing is what do people want and the second one is the content you're putting in there needs to be worth their attention and their time and um, they're two big things and um, another thing that i don't understand why people don't do it is personalization in an email i've seen loads and loads of studies about it but like if you just add someone's first name in a subject line often they get a higher open rate than if you don't um so don't do it every time, obviously. But if there's if there's things that you can test, then even just the simple personalization of having a first name in a subject line, you should give it a go. And then obviously the more personalized an email experience can be, the more chance of someone wanting to open your email. So those three sure. things are good. Another thing, uh, number four, I guess, is listen to your whole team. So you're, even though you're in a marketing department and you're doing the marketing, um, listen to your coder or your developer or listen to your designer or listen to the social media intern that you've just got started and see if if every, if you get as much information as possible then you'll know more and you definitely feel like smaller companies that maybe have less staff and are kind of working closer together um, things seem to move quicker through the system to get into emails um, or the information that the person that's packing the boxes in the warehouse knows more than the person that's making the emails knows. And if everyone's talking to each other, you'll definitely get a better, but I think that's all marketing anyway. Um, but email yeah. specifically kind of it adds to that. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely feel like I agree with you strongly on that point, you know, that there just wasn't enough conversation. You know, when I worked in dev, like no one really asked me what we could do with the email or how we should design the email. I mean, but it was also on me. I should have been, you know, saying, Hey, you know, yeah, and that, that kind of that brings on to number five, which was like progressively enhance your email to make it better for the people that you can make it better for. Um, like we said earlier, with the um, if you know your audience is all using Outlook and Lotus Notes, then maybe limit the amount you're progressively enhancing it. But if you start there and everyone gets a great experience in Outlook, then the next thing to do is add some hover effects to make it look a little bit better in Gmail add some rounded corners, something like that. And then the next thing is you could add a bit of movement and a bit of animation and CSS uh, transitions or animations to your already existing design template. And that would look that little bit better in, in Apple Mail or something like that. And smaller progressive enhancements, enhancements I think, are good. And um, There's no reason why every email should be a massive carousel, hover, tap to reveal thing. But if every button just has a little hover effect that matches your website, then that just brings in the brand a little bit more to your your email. So, yeah, those are the kind of top five tips there. Yeah, no, there's a lot of good ones, I and mean, a lot of them stand out. And for some reason, in my head, like, I'm just thinking, progress which kind of reminds me of American football. You get American football, they always say, like, take what the defense gives you. So think of ESPs as, like, well, they're the defense. <laughs> you know, it's, it's very light defense in Apple, a little, you know, easier with, uh, you know, and, and, you know, it's a tough defense outlook. So, yeah, so I agree. Yeah. Think you can get, you know, you can create one email that really will show a beautiful email and on every platform. Really, that's really the goal, and and really what happens with, you know, with, um, yeah. And then on the hands of personalizing, yeah, it just it's upsetting to me anyway. I think when we see companies that have a lot of customer data, on like on in your personal life, you know, like I know companies, they should know the ages of all my kids, and they should stop sending me, you know. I just had the most personalized email experience, you know, a company I've been shopping for with my children, you know, from every age. <laughs> yeah. It shouldn't be a guesswork. It should just be like, oh, for that kid, <laughs> you know, or even ask me, what are they my kids? And they can send you, oh, we have a great, you know, for that, you know, I'm saying my kids on the air, but uh, it shouldn't be favorite. so much personalization um, in email. And I think, I hope that maybe 2021 we'll, we'll, we'll see a lot more of that. Yeah, one of my favorite personalizations was um, from Major League Soccer in America, where the MLS League has hundreds of football clubs. There's so many in America. Um, but you, when you sign up, you sign up and tell them what team you support. And then the emails are tailored with the colors of your team and the news towards your team. Because obviously for 
if there was hundreds of football teams, every time I open the email, I don't want to read about everyone else's news. I want to read about what my club does. So getting that data really helped them to kind of give me that personalized experience. And sure. it, none of that data is like, it's not like my birthday and my mother's maiden name and my password. It's, it's literally just a football team that I like. So yeah, no one would have qualms giving over that kind of information. And I'm sure there's right. a lot of other examples of that. Yeah, like you said, and that makes the entire experience like so much more enjoyable because it's not like a, I guess what we're both talking about is that when people use email like a billboard, like, you know, just the blast of something and will hit some people. Yep. You make it a very personalized experience, like then everyone's interested, you know, because you're really talking to them. And I guess that's like the number one tip is talk to your audience, talk to the person you're talking to. Yeah. Yeah. What do you feel like are the top pitfalls? I have this. And I fully admit to it. And my managers always are pulling me back. I have that shiny syndrome where something comes up that's brand new is kind of, you know, like a parallax email or, yeah, kind of an inter amp for email was a perfect example where Google launched it like May 15th. I was out there coding, trying to figure out what it was, but there was no ESPs that could send an amp email. So it didn't matter what I was doing. Um, could you even test it? Sorry? Could you even test it? Like yeah, well, they had, their own, they had their own, like, developer window that you could create it oh, and it would okay. you a preview. And yeah, I think you could send it to your own Gmail, and that was it. Okay. Um, and you can only send one email. But, yeah, that kind of – you don't need to – even adding all these interactive things is not going to make your click-through better or your open rate better or anything, really. All of these things should enhance what a user experiences, and that's what it should be used for. So don't just make a – interactive carousel because you can the interactive carousel should be there because it conveys more information to your audience and it gives them a better experience in your email that's why you should use those things um and yeah that a top pitfall i see is emails that are filled with stuff that you don't need it um or yeah over complicating a message that kind of thing or yeah another big one is just so much stuff into an email like yeah. I can see by the look on your face you've had this before. It's the <laughs> it's like, yeah. like today, like the, no, yeah, I have a new client. Exactly. They, you know, so, yeah, like they show me their their newsletter is like you know like like a page and a half of scrolling, you know, a big paragraph of text and then some pictures and then some other things. It's like break it up, and I'm for sure you know that's that's what we're in the business for, to make things better, you know. And for sure, some of the audience doesn't read that paragraph, and they would rather not see it. And just send you know send another one, see the weekend pictures, and you know things like that. So you know, our, I'll talk about the results of that maybe in a few weeks. But uh... yeah. one of my strategy, the strategy team, the head designer uh, Gary, who I work with, and they have like whenever they talk to our clients, they really share that email on your mobile is like another app. It's another social media app, and and your phone is constantly being bombarded with notifications and updates, and you only get that split kind of 10, 20 seconds before someone's distracted by something else so if your email doesn't have that open it draw you in in that first 10 15 20 seconds then you've lost it so it doesn't matter how long it is you need to get that that opening perfect and every email is different i listen i can't remember what it's called now but i get an email that is a really long it's just basically loads and loads of text it's one big massive magazine article and i love that and i read it but that one specific one i always open and read but other emails that have got a tiny little paragraph of text, sometimes I don't read that because I'm not interested. So it's definitely uh, testing who and how you send it as well. And yeah, that like you've said before, if you A-B test a, a long email or a short email, um, you'll find what your audience wants. So yeah, definitely, definitely focus on what's there. Yeah. Do you guys at Action Rocket, you know, run A-B tests for clients or like, are you just set up two variations or how's that work? We try to. Um, so we're majority design and dev, so we don't often see the kind of strategy side of things. But our strategy team has grown in the last year um, and a couple of clients we've worked with a bit more. Um, but they are, often the limitations are the ESP isn't set up for it because we often don't uh, deploy for clients. Uh, we just hand over the finished HTML and then they do the deployment. Um, we might not see that next part of it. And so, but we do work with them to figure out what they should A-B test and what they can do better and things like that. And then with some clients, we do work with them on the results. But yeah, there's definitely, yeah, I think that's probably more what you're 
your agency is kind of working towards rather than yeah ours is definitely more yeah, and code than that kind of side yeah definitely in our agency that a huge part of like the whole strategy is a b testing you know because we want to set up automations and we can constantly be improving you know it's like that one percent a day it makes a huge deal at the end of the year you know it's definitely a strategy everyone should be using yeah that bit um, actually is growing definitely like we're not there with all of our clients yet. Right, you're not there you're not the full agency you're really just uh, a part of it uh, do you have any favorite brands? Yeah, B and Q has been an old favorite. Uh, B and Q were one of the first people I saw that used the checkbox hack to kind of create oh. a multi-tab. So having them come in just to see what they're working on uh, is like a nice interactive uh, team. What is, what is B and Q for the people who don't live in the UK? Oh, I mean. Yeah, of course. Um, B and Q is um, I didn't even think about that. B and Q is like a home improvement, so tools oh, okay. and wallpaper and like that kind of thing so it's not something that is like shout out like i really want to watch see it it's kind of like i'm, I'm doing decorating at home i'll click on the b and q and see what paint brushes they do or whatever and um, but their emails seem to put across like information and ideas in a really nice way that it's a really interesting one to look at and another brand i really like is uh, nespresso the coffee capsules the kind of yeah, their brand is really nice brand throughout the whole of their emails. Um, and I think they have like a like a nice standout kind of, it's not your run of your meal coffee kind of thing. It's an, it's like a an extra step up to get an espresso coffee. And I think that comes across in their emails as well. Yeah, and they're, they're kind of really interesting. And they're the ones I like to like to receive and look at. So, yeah, I think that was it. Yeah. What's your email client? Are you an, you have an Apple device, I assume? Um, so I actually have a Pixel, a Google Pixel phone. So okay. Gmail, Gmail is where I receive all my own emails. But yeah, we mm -hmm. work on Macs, Action Rocket. So yeah, Apple Mail is there. And probably the same as you, I've got six mobile phones on my desk and two PCs and a Mac ready for testing. So if I want to see an email in anything, I can see it in whatever I like anyway. <laughs> That's, do you feel like the big brands, like you really need to do real device testing as opposed to just like lip missing it or, you know, using a, you know, a software that does? There's, we found that the best thing to do is use email and acid or litmus to test. And then the final check is just to send it to the live devices, just have a peek and see if anything's changed. Sometimes it's quicker for us to update devices than wait for the email and acid or litmus to update their rendering. So we want to get the latest as soon as possible. But also, there is sometimes we actually use email and acid and litmus, um, and we also have clients obviously have their own, so return path or something like um, that. And often the email might look slightly wrong in a couple of different ones, but for different reasons. And the kind of final test is to send it to a live device and see what the actual email client is doing, um, especially some older versions like Android 567, uh, those kind of older Androids, they're not as common on Litmus and email and Acid, but we've got the device in case we need it. And some of our clients say like, we know we've got a 10, 15% audience on Android 7. Um, so oh, okay. yeah. can you test it kind of thing? So yeah, we've got them all in case we want them. Um, and just by, our, yeah, our testing starts with email and Acid and then what we can't do in email and acid we'll do in litmus or the opposite way around and then yeah we'll send it to all of our devices and then once we're happy we actually then give it to another coder and they do the check all over again to make sure we haven't missed anything and um, so uh -huh. it's a proper guy? Uh, no no it's just I, I there's only two of us there's two on the code team oh, okay. yeah i test his, he tests mine and then yeah it should, fingers crossed by the end of that we're, we've caught everything <laughs> something we you mentioned a little bit earlier excel accessibility so you want to talk a little bit about that what does that mean when we're talking about accessibility and email accessibility is how someone can access the content that you're giving and obviously you want as many people as possible to see your email or receive the information from your email as best as possible and um, for the uk we know that 20 percent of the uk have some kind of disability so that's one in five people have something that could possibly stop them seeing or getting your email as well as possible. And then Elliot Ross, you mentioned earlier, he also kind of brought up in one of his talks that you do get situational accessibility issues as well, where maybe you can't reach your phone because you're holding a baby or you've, uh, you're, you've got one hand, you've broken your arm. So it's not a permanent disability, but you've broken your arm and you can't access, you can't use two hands. Um, 
or partial hearing loss or something like that. So accessibility is just about using all the tools and code and design possible to make your email as accessible to as many people as possible. Um, so things like uh, making the text nice and clear, so you're not using a, a font which is all joined together and difficult to read or squashed up or the font's really small so it's harder for people with eyesight problems that can't see things. Um, the contrast is there so that if some people maybe are colorblind or um, they have other issues with seeing or maybe they're looking in a low light environment or something like that, maybe they can't differentiate between colors. Um, so if your text is like a light gray on a white background, sometimes that's really difficult to see. Uh, so making sure that contrast ratio is there. And then also on the other kind of more extreme side is if maybe you can't see it at all um, and you need a screen reader or a tool like Alexa or Google or something to read your email to you. And if your email is made up of a load of images which don't have any alternative text, or maybe it's made up of loads of divs and they're all in funny orders, so it reads your email out in a really weird way, um, that possibly isn't the best experience for all of your recipients. So accessibility is just about, from the design, making sure it looks great and everyone can see it and it's all clear, and then in the code, making sure that there's all the things there necessary for everyone to be able to read it. So that's kind of, and Action Rocket, we start at that base level of it has to be accessible. And then we make all of our design choices and coding starts from there. Um, so we use semantic tags, so H1 to H6, or however many you want to go to, and then paragraph tags, um, making sure we have area tags and section tags on things so that everything makes sense to a screen reader. And all, all added extras like that, styled alt text in case the images. Because another thing, like mm -hmm. another thing, like I mentioned before about all image emails, is if someone has images blocked, maybe they're a business and they've blocked images by default, or it's the first time you've sent them an email. If your email is all images and they block them completely, then maybe there's nothing there. Um, so mm -hmm. the alt text, we can actually style it to look like the rest of the text in your email and make it look nicer, um, which is and get the yeah. important information across as well. So yeah, or even you know they could be opening your email in an elevator. You know, and, yeah, you just don't have, you know, just it's slow to load. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, every, yeah, even <laughs> like, because some people use the argument of, uh, well, I, I work in central London, there's 5G, there's brand like super speed Wi Fi, there's Wi Fi on the trains. Why would I ever need to worry about sending like a, a two megabyte GIF or something? And then you say to him, well, what if you go into a tunnel? Or, yeah, like you said, you go into a building where the signal's not very good. Or, the one time you open it, you're in the countryside away on a holiday. Um, th all those situations. And then also, if your audience is global, then there's differing accessibility all over. So, yeah, it's definitely yeah, a I was shocked. Uh, you know, a friend of mine sent me an email and asked me about a video in email. And she sent me an email and it was a GIF that was like a minute long GIF. It was like 20 megabytes. And I was yep. like, who the heck is something like that? That seems insane to me. Like, yeah, also, if you've got a, um, there's uh, Dylan who works at Litmus, he shared with me a website where you can put in your website and it will tell you how much it costs in different places of the world to download all of the information. Um, so I'll find that and share it with you so you can share with people. But yeah, it basically like you put in your 10 kilobyte all text email and you can see that across the world, maybe um, someone who doesn't have access to Wi-Fi and they have to use cellular data and they're on 3G and it costs them so much money to download a megabyte and you think, wow, that's a big thing. Whereas, yeah, if you sent a 20 megabyte GIF, that could be their whole month's data wiped out in one email. So, yeah, you don't, yeah, you've definitely got to think about those kind of things. Yeah, no, that's definitely not something I was thinking about. You know, there was a big hubbub this year, I think towards the summer, it started becoming, everyone was talking about dark mode and how that's affecting the email world and, and it affected everything really and nothing to do with corona really <laughs> but <No>. uh <laughs> but dark mode is definitely here and it's going to be here and get more and more popular I feel like you know the dev community started dark world no like i said i you know like growing up only people were using like those dark background editors or coders but now it's getting much more popular because it's easier on the eyes and mm -hmm. you know and low battery is the next thing is when i got the latest version of android Whenever I got low battery, my entire Gmail went to dark mode. Mm -hmm. That probably happened around June or July, I think. Um, yeah, so well, then it became yeah. center. 
Mm. Dark Mode has been yeah. it's been around for a long time, but it's kind of hit the mainstream in the last year, hasn't it? So um, I think I read that one of the earliest apps that ever used Dark Mode was an app called Reader. And then the, its purpose was that you could download website pages to read later. And they were the first app that when it got to nighttime or you said you was in a dark room, you could switch to dark mode. So it would switch the background to black and the text to white. And that was kind of the first app where dark mode was like actually called dark mode. And originally it was for reading in the dark. And then obviously the first computer screens ever that came out were black with the green letters on. And that was just because they couldn't make a white screen. That was nothing to do with trying to make it dark. But yeah, like OLED screens, like you said, the latest screens, if you're using black, it's less battery power. So that made sense. And the real push for email clients seems to have come from operating systems. So Apple and Android said, uh, the, like around summer, your app, if it doesn't work on dark mode, we're just going to force it to do dark mode. So then that was it. Everyone had to do whatever Apple's dark mode was or create your own custom styles for dark mode. So that kind of where it pushed it to. Um, yeah, and like you said, my Android on the latest, whatever it is, Android 11, 12, um, that has... Uh, as soon as I turn battery saver on, everything goes to dark mode, including Gmail. Um, and my wife's phone actually came default dark mode as an Android. Wow. So, yeah, th there's possibly a lot of people that are using dark mode more than were using it before. And, yeah, from a developer point of view, um, it meant that all of our designs overnight possibly changed and we didn't have as much control over how they looked. And there was kind of a scramble for a couple of months where people were trying to find little ways to target different things with CSS or if there was ways to override it and do bits and pieces. And yeah, I was kind of, well, me and you we were on email geeks and everyone was kind of chatting back and forth about, oh, I've found this media query prefers color scheme. Oh, I found this meta tag about dark prefers dark light. Um, and then, yeah, all the other ones, like the data attributes that Mark found for Outlook and then every like loads of people started to try and put things Mark together. Robbins, are you referencing there? Yeah, yeah, Mark Robbins. Yeah, yeah. yeah and um, I think, yeah, I think <laughs> Remy was one of the first people to find the kind of prefers color scheme. And then obviously Litmus came out with the first article on how to deal with it from Alice Lee. And then shortly I wrote a big article for Campaign Monitor and some stuff for Action Rocket as well to try and kind of get as much information all together that the whole community had kind of found. And then more people have kind of had it. Yeah. yeah, I made my own article and it was a lot based on what you did. Yeah, <laughs> so. so there's loads of like everyone trying to like came together as we normally do in the email community to go, oh my God, everything's kind of hit the fan. What do we do now? And everyone kind of worked together to try and solve things, which is a really nice thing to be part of. But yeah, and then Action Rocket, we then took that on board and probably the same as yourself. The, we, the minimum we do now is to make sure that it looks not broken in dark mode. Um, so on the worst possible place, which sometimes is a toss up between Windows 10 mail in dark mode and the Office 365 app in dark mode, um, we make sure that everything works and is readable and you can see everything, um, whether that's by making sure images are PNGs to begin with or making sure dark thin lines have an outline or something like that, um, right the way up to we can make a totally custom dark mode version show in clients that will support the css so we work on that range but yeah the the basic is it will it will work and it will look right, correct anywhere, anywhere. I mean, yeah it should never should never break yes. like it's a good rule for all emails everywhere they should never yeah look <laughs> yeah that's what we all start from anyway but yeah yeah but yeah <laughs> i mean it was a big shock and i think a lot of people but it just needs to be on marketers minds i think and that's something that we we still find that people don't know about um so we still have clients that maybe they don't have a development team and they just use the template that they've always had. And the first time they realize something's wrong with dark mode is someone gets a new phone and opens their email and goes, oh my God, what is this? Yeah, so it's still not out there. So the more people that know that dark mode is a thing um, is definitely, definitely good. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And I really love what you did in your article specifically. It's just that little, you know, putting a white line around, you know, if you have dark logos, you put a white line around it. And then in dark, it actually looks really awesome. Yeah, and it, it's not a big change. Another thing that marketers shouldn't worry about is that dark mode doesn't mean that your whole system needs to change. It's just... 
that maybe like if you have a dark logo I can't remember which one I saw. There was like a brand that was a really big brand, um, but their logo was just like a black circle with the icon in the middle. And then in dark mode, it disappeared. I think it's Sitepoint is the like a web design what? and information agency. And um, those guys there, who else? Lo loads of them actually. There's quite a lot of dark logos and they all disappear on that dark background. So just by adding an outline, like you said, it will just means you don't lose your logo, which is obviously a really important part of the email so sure. and social media icons as well they're this, the little white the little black f or the little black bird for twitter just totally right on the black background so yeah. yeah i think we saw in your article i think you had a twitter bird in a circle or something like that and yeah that's mm -hmm. the bird disappeared yeah <laughs> so yeah. So, uh, yeah if you want people to click on stuff they need to be able to see it so <laughs> it's important all right is there anything you want to add i mean i don't know if, you know you have, any, you have any questions for me? <laughs> yeah, I mean, so um, I like, obviously I code whatever someone needs me to do, but what's the way that you code emails like as a starting place? Like where do you start from? Um, yeah, no, so that's a really good question because I don't start with a PSD. I'm not a designer, I don't consider myself a designer, but like I can do a decent design, you know, just because you've been building emails from a, from a PSD for a while, you know how things should more or less look. So I use like the hybrid method, on all my emails with custom CSS, whatever needed, you know, to move things around and and you play with it. You know, it's fun about emails and I find the, the fun side of email is that you could, you know, put, you know, a table on a table, just make everything work somehow. You know, you just add another table inside it and then it, you know, then it'll work or, you know, things like that. But yeah, I mean, that was such an eye-opening thing. Like for me is talking about like in, I think 2015, now we can get Gmail to work because Gmail was such a bugaboo. Until that hybrid method came out, Nicole Merlin, God bless her soul. But yeah, that was, I mean, I, I didn't really consider myself a developer until that article. Like I was using like WYSIWYGs and we'd buy like an Envato, you know, uh, templates. Mm -hmm. And we were like, you know, and I don't know if they bloat them on purpose, <laughs> but like there's so much code and, you know, this all boilerplate kind of stuff. And it just for someone who's not used to that, like you're just afraid to do anything except for change the text. And then like if your text is a little longer than what they had in, in the template, you know, you just broke the whole thing. Mm -hmm. You know, they give you like a little a little title. And if your title is a little longer, then you broke it. So yeah. at some point, I said, like, you know what? This is really frustrating. Like, I want to know how to code. And I just rebuilt our template using that method. And that was how I really got started. Yeah, just, you know, if you start doing that for like three, four years in a row, then you, you really know what you're doing. But yeah, for my clients, yeah, I just, I build, yeah, using that hybrid method. Yeah, and you get, and you know, you can get, you know, as creative as you want. That's sort of the fun part of it. Um, Do you have a specific tools as well? Like, I know you spoke to Abby recently about Parcel, didn't you? I think I saw. Who did I speak to? Abby, Abby Goldman, for about, yeah, about Parcel, use Parcel. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 for sure. Abby Goldman, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, he's working on that. Uh, what's it called? Dispatch? Is it called Dispatch? No, it's uh, called Parcel. Parcel is the Parcel. Yeah, I don't yeah, know yeah. why everything related to real mail, you know, mm -hmm. but package. Yeah, he he did an amazing thing. Like I I was very impressed with his uh, his tool because there were so many things. I use my main tool is Litmus Builder. I use Build. I'm in Builder all the time. Mm -hmm. But it's always like there's you know there's things that bother me <laughs> in in Litmus. You know, like just stupid things like grammar check. You know, like I'm using Grammarly and everything in the rendering window, I can't read it. So what would happen is, and this is such a frustrating thing, I build an email for a client and, you know, I do my own check, but like there's no belt check. Mm -hmm. And it's also a thing about international stuff because the guy writing the content, he was actually Australian. So he'd spell it his way and the audience is really American. So it shouldn't have any, you know, use in it, you know, for color mm -hmm. or things like that. So... Yeah, so what happened is when I'm copying it over and it pulls up the text version in the ESP and then Grammarly is taken over and it's like, oh, yeah, you got misspelled and you need a comma there and you need this and that. And I have to go back to the code and fix it all up and put it back again. Mm -hmm. So this one example. And I've spoken to Dylan, actually, Dylan Smith from Litmus. We had a little call and they actually gave me like, I don't know, 10 or $20 from Amazon for the, for the courtesy. Yeah, the other thing I actually asked them to do is if we can get a... Um, Take a screenshot directly from Builder of what mm -hmm. you just put in. You know, you probably do the same thing because you have to get approvals, right? Are you mm -hmm. taking pictures of the email that you just coded? Yeah, well, I use, um, I have a parcel 
has got the kind of uh, you can send the link or um there's emailpreview.io you've probably seen that as well um that you can just plug in the code and it will send you a screenshot um oh nice yeah. i didn't know about that tool yeah that's, that's super handy um or that's yeah i mean you can, i do also use the inbuilt developer tools in chrome lets you do a full page screenshot as well so it kind of depending on where i am right. kind of what i'm right. doing but more late like more recently i had one client about like about i don't know six months to a year ago i wasn't really using i mean i learned a lot with this client because she kept asking for different things and she was so like seven emails with the same like eight bullet points and then i changed one but not the other so then i was like starting to make uh partials i never used partials before really until then but i would use a lot of um i use snippets all the time yeah. all the time like crazy yeah exactly you have your all your shortcuts mm -hmm. you know be tab button you know, things like that. One call, two call, three call. <laughs> it's, uh, it makes development really easy. Yeah, what I'm doing is I'm doing a preview onto Apple Mail and then opening it in big and then taking a screenshot of that. Mm -hmm. Just to, it's more work than it should be. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but uh, yeah, but yeah, Avi Goldman, like he incorporated all the things I thought were missing then. I wish him a lot of luck and give him a don't know he's he got a shout out here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a lot of people got shout outs in this uh, in this episode, so we should uh, tag them and uh, when we publish this. But yeah, no, and I I see there's other, I mean, I never tried Stripo or any of these other tools, but Stripo is really just drag and drop, right? Yeah, you can do some custom stuff with it. Um, but yeah, there is, it's mainly drag and drop. And then, yeah, I mean, there's so many out there now that I don't think I could name them all. But yeah, like be free. Yeah, do you know what Dispatch is doing? No, they're doing some kind of thing with video. Not perfectly, no, no. I've heard of it, but I've not properly looked into it. But yeah, I haven't probably so, many, so many things coming up. So yeah, no, there's a lot of cool stuff happening. I mean, something I'm personally working on and trying to, you know, get into is the B2B world more. And there's a lot of cool opportunities there in terms of video, you know, video replies, things like that, automated replies that are videos are very cool. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of platforms fighting for that traffic, you know, for that that capability. Mm -hmm. I've heard of Playable. Oh yeah, I haven't heard of Play, but I've heard of Bunge. I think it's called Bonjourno or something like that, or okay. Bonjourno. Yeah, something like that. But uh, yeah, I've heard good things about it. Uh, I'm looking forward, you know, recommending it to clients and then seeing how it works exactly. Mm -hmm. There's a lot, a lot of exciting things. It's a great time to be an email. I feel like you know, there's a lot of exciting things happening, and I think more and more companies and businesses are realizing that like it should be a huge part of their strategy. I guess this, this year has probably helped as well. If more people are remote, then more email is definitely going to be used more. So, absolutely, you know, all these stores, all these stores that couldn't just depend on store traffic to drive revenue had to, you know, you know, overnight really try to drive revenue with email and became their main focus. Anyway, thank you so much for coming on the show. No, thank you. Really yeah, <laughs> yeah. Tell your friends about it. Yeah, we will do. All right. Have a great one. You too. Yeah, happy new year. Yes, well, happy new year. <laughs> Cheers. All right, that concludes our show for today. Uh, thank you so much for joining us for Inboxing. Uh, we'll be back. We don't know yet who our next guest is, but we know we're going to have Calf Pay January 20th. Uh, so it's in three weeks. He just published a brand new book uh, called Holistic Marketing, which should be a really, really interesting episode. But we're hoping to do another few episodes even before then. So stick around. You can get updates on my Facebook page. Uh, it's Hilleberg Email Marketing on Facebook, uh, or it's facebook.com slash email marketing consultants. Um, and also on YouTube, it's a little bit harder to find. And that's it. Yeah, happy new year to everyone and good night. <laughs>